Hi, this is Jeff with the SBCA podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast or would like more information about the podcast, please contact us at sbcapod at gmail.com. That's sbcapod at gmail.com. Let's get to the show. SBCA podcast. I'm your host, Jeff, and I'm so glad that you're here with us today. This podcast is for you. Camp directors, camp managers, camp volunteers, whoever you are, this podcast is designed to give you the information to make you successful to help your camp grow to its fullest potential. Content, connections, and camps. That's what we're doing here, and we hope you enjoy. Let's get on with the show. Hey, and thank you for joining us on the SBCA podcast. Today, it is my pleasure to have Rich Lowry with Trinity HPSI on with us. Rich started in camping in 1999 as a cowboy on a 1,200-acre horse ranch and a Christian youth camp in Tennessee and was later selected as the head cowboy horse trainer in 2001. He left camping in 2002 and spent 16 years in law enforcement where he held the rank of sergeant until he was medically retired due to an injury sustained in the line of duty. Rich joined the team at Trinity HPSI in 2018 as the manager of outreach and member services and was later named the director of outreach and communications. Rich graduated summa cum laude from Liberty University with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and a minor in business. He also holds an associate's degree in interdisciplinary studies from Liberty, as well as a certificate in critical infrastructure protection through Texas A&M Extension Services. Rich, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate the invitation. I'm looking forward to, uh, to what we can unpack here in these next few moments with your listeners. Absolutely. Now, we're specifically talking today about uh, about stewardship and saving uh, money. I mean, that's a big topic for camps. It's a it's a is a nonprofit organization. We're always looking for ways to enhance the ministry impact. And um, Rich, what are some of the ways that you guys have found uh, you have found specifically um, that can help camps really increase what they're trying to do? And and Jeff, that is, uh, I mean, that's the crux of what we do. When Steve Claypool, our founder, started this um, back in 2000, really the concept was in 2004, um, his wife, uh, Miss Gay, um, recognized the need for this uh, for churches, camps, schools. Um, Steve's profession, uh, professional experience led him to be a certified purchasing manager for a sizable gas company. Um, and through his experience, he found that um, vendors weren't always uh, had their be- vendors that don't always have their best interest at heart. Um, the status quo tended to impede uh, savings opportunity where people chose relationships over um, stewardship. So um, with the prodding of his wife, uh, Steve uh, started Trinity Ministries. And um, and really from the get-go, um, it was a concept that was kind of foreign. The group purchasing concept was kind of foreign um, in the camping world, but the Lord blessed and it just took off. But really when we when we think about money, and we, we had a previous conversation about that, um, the, the concept of stewardship, we, when we think about how do we save money, we, we tend to immediately go to that the budget sheet and we start crunching numbers, um, maybe looking for how we can run leaner and meaner, if you will, um, without really first considering what our role as a steward uh, really means. Um, 
And, and while there are two basic things that we do with money, right? We're either bringing money in or, or, or we're spending it. Um, it. The issues involving money are not always as simple or as reduced to, you know, do we have an income problem or a spending problem? Um, it may not always be an either or proposition. Um, it actually could be neither. It, it could be both. Um, it, it could be you're not um, spending enough in the right places or, or too much in the wrong places, obviously. Um, but but you not, may not be taking advantage of the right opportunities or spending too much time cultivating relationships with the wrong people or, or not co- cultivating relationships with the right people. Um, I mean, we all want to make more and spend less. Um, but as Christians, we should be looking at money differently. It, it's a resource entrusted to us by someone else, right? Absolutely right. You know, we're called to be those good stewards of the financial resources we have and for the specific purpose of not gaining more of those financial resources, but spending those to enhance the kingdom and right. to advance the cause of Christ. And so we have a, a, a duty and a responsibility to make make that money or that resource or whatever, make the best use of that. And I love what you said there is, you know, sometimes we're spending money, we're trying to save money to the to the cost of what could be later on down the road, something that um, uh, you said it better than I am. But later on down the road, it actually ends up costing us more if we don't, if we're just trying to spend less on the outset. And I think that's important to note. I mean, we're uh, there's some investments that we need to make as as directors and as uh, as leaders that can impact farther down the road end up saving us not just financially but end up making a bigger impact later on right absolutely and and you know even before the fall uh, Adam was charged with tending the garden, right? Stewardship's intended to be a lifelong pursuit. It's something that's continually evolving uh, and intentionally cultivated. Um, and, and we know that the fall distorted this, right? We Our, our nature has fallen. Um, but before we even take that first uh, step in looking at saving money, um, stewardship is really the foundation of, of everything. So sometimes it may make sense, like you said, um, or like we alluded to, that the it may need to be an investment for the long term and uh, not just think about that immediate cost cost savings, which is important, obviously, and that's what we do. Um, we want to save you money, but I often tell people we, we, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. Sometimes the wheel may need to be reinvented. There really are no categorical imperatives here. Um, but when you boil it down on the stewardship side, it's it's fundamentally about our God-given dominion over his creation. It's more than just about money. Um, one of the best examples of this in Scripture, obviously, is Joseph. Um, we all know the story, how he was the favored son, ended up being the hated rival to his brothers, to a slave, uh, to a trusted servant, um, to a prisoner, and then to a ruler. So, you know, God's hand can definitely be on, on us, especially if we approach um, what he's entrusted to us from a, from a standpoint uh, of stewardship. So uh, there's actually a really good article I found on this. It was, uh, it was written back in 2012 um, from the, uh, the Institute of Faith, Work, and Economics. It was written by a man named Hugh uh, Welshel. Um, and he actually quotes an, another um, um, essay from a Mr. Bill Pill talking about those four he kind of boils it down to four principles of, of biblical stewardship, and, and I'd like to unpack a few of those here. Um, the first one being the principle of ownership, and, and that's evident in Scripture. We talked about that. The earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it, right? The, the psalmist talked about that. God's own it, but we God owns it, but we manage it for him. Um, the, the second principle uh, outside of ownership is the principle of responsibility, where owners have rights, stewards which is what we are. We have responsibilities. Nothing belongs to us. We're merely responsible for how we treat it and what we do with it. Um, and then the third is the principle of accountability. Um, so we're not only stewards of resources, but we're also stewards of abilities and opportunities. Um, that doesn't mean we have permission to, to do whatever we want or whatever we see fit, but we exercise dominion um, that he gave us under the watchful eye of the creator. And that, and that fourth principle, um, before we get into some of these other specifics, is the principle of reward. So even though we're merely stewards who have been entrusted with resources, whether it's 
people, time, opportunities, money, of course, um, facilities, talents. Um, you know, it, it's it's what we do with those, and, and that's evident in the parable of the of the three servants who were given some of their master's money. Right, the two servants that that did well by it were, were told, "Well done, good and faithful servant." So, when we think about all of those things with stewardship, we can finally get to where we first tend to think stewardship starts and with money and possessions. But but it's really way more than that. It's about not wasting those resources and, and, and making wise decisions. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And as you were talking about that, that's the parable that came to my mind. You know, we're we're given talents of our masters, you know, uh, from our masters uh, uh, coffers. And it's up to us to make the most of those, not bury them in the ground and let them go to waste and then just say, OK, well, you gave me this opportunity. I'm just going to give this opportunity back to you the way that I, it was given to me. And uh, really, that is that is our charge as good stewards. We're to maximize the ministry that that God has presented over to us to make the most of it using those. I I love that you mentioned the talents of your people, because I think one of the most difficult things for directors is to dive into what the talents are and the the natural bent of your staff and your volunteers are in order to maximize their uh, their potential there uh, on the property which which in turn maximizes your ministry potential there for you um, absolutely absolutely phenomenal stuff talk, talk to a little bit more about uh, the non-monetary ways that uh, that we as as leaders in can, in camp can be better stewards towards those resources sure the um, you know outside of money you know you have you have people and opportunities one thing you mentioned there was the talents of your people that God has brought to you for uh, whether it's summer staff or whether it's your your full-time staff so one thing that's really critical that I find is important is um, with with vendor interaction, right? Directors may not necessarily be the best person suited for that interaction with the vendor. Um, as I mentioned, you know, a, a lot of times what we found is people um, tend to or, or allow, not tend to, but maybe allow a longstanding relationship or the status quo, if you will, um, interfere with the the. Um, the stewardship concept. So, you know, you may want to find that person on your team who it really has that personality um, of boldness, but but dip, that can remain diplomatic. I mean, um, that's good at conflict management. So essentially, you know, you need to be able to have someone who can hold vendors accountable um, without obviously losing your losing your testimony. I mean, I had a recent interaction with a, a local business owner here. He, um, he he said he, he was actually opened his own mattress store here locally, and he had previously worked for a major supplier. And he asked his previous boss, he says, why is it that our worst customers always get the best deals? Obviously, we don't want to. Our goal is not to be the worst customers. But his point was, was well taken that these people tend to um, negotiate boldly uh, when it comes to price or service. Um, I mean, as you as you saw from my bio in a previous life, I was in law enforcement. I was 16 years in that. Uh, I learned a lot. God protected me through it all and brought me out of it in 2018. Um, but there were officers uh, that I interacted with over over that 16 years that were just that stood head and shoulders above others when it came to conflict. Um, I always had the mantra that you could always catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Um, this doesn't mean you're going to allow someone to take advantage of you. Um, I mean, I'd always say I'd be as nice as you'd let me. I would oftentimes greet drug dealers with a handshake, but I might end up in a fight for my life uh, in that interaction. But, you know, as Christians, we obviously don't want to be the customer that's always complaining, but we need to be bold enough to make educated decisions that are right in the spirit of stewardship. Um, and don't let your feelings get involved. Obviously, be firm, be bold, but be kind. Uh, people will respect that. So, you know, that's one of the ways is, is to either find someone on your team or as a director, cultivate that within yourself to find out if you can build those skills. It's really important um, to be able to, to have that person, that right person um, in that right position on, on your team. 
Yeah, and I think that often it's a struggle for directors because we see ourselves as the chief steward of of everything, and we've kind of got to have our either our hands in the pot of those things, or we're so busy that we we entrust somebody to to be able to do that for us. And and let's face it, a lot of the guys, especially in Christian camping and the Southern Baptist Camp Association, you know, we're in it for the ministry part of it. We're not high negotiators. We're a lot of us ministry minded and not as business minded probably as we should be. That's where a ministry like Trinity kind of comes in and they can actually help out with some of that stuff. And that's that's a little bit what you guys do. Uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, how Trinity helps in some of those regards. You know, you spoke, to, you spoke about, you know, negotiating with vendors and, and some of that stuff. Tell us a little bit more about that in detail. Sure. So when it comes to the, the specific part of stewarding money and resources rather than people, time, opportunities, that's really where we come alongside you and can help it. That's what that is the foundation of our ministry. I mean, simply stated, we're we're a free national purchasing group. Um, member camps, they access significant discounts um, with vendors across multiple industries. So Whereas you, like you said, that business mindset or you having to have that person, that key person on your team that is having to negotiate with vendors, that's where you have a multi-billion dollar um, buying power behind you when you're a part of our buying group, where those negotiations have taken place at such a high level with a significant amount of buying power that it really especially on the food service side, tends to be one of the, if not the best way that you can you can um, accomplish that goal of stewardship. Because one, you're not having to spend the time and effort of, of um, doing all of that research where you have to get multiple bids. And I'm not saying that's, that's not necessarily something you wouldn't do. We still want to be uh, make educated decisions. But with a large multi-billion dollar GPO behind you, those prices have been negotiated or not prices, but margins. We don't negotiate price. We negotiate margins because in a free market society where the market determines can change, right? The price can change on supply and demand, as we can see currently (laughs) with the current trends in the market, right? Um, But um, what, what we do is when we negotiate those contracts and then we open those up, uh, since 2005, as a matter of fact, we is when we partner with our, our corporate partners over at HPSI uh, to become their fish, official camp and ministry arm. So one of the big things that we negotiated with them when we first um, approached them about allowing camps was to make sure that camps were able to access the membership, the contracts for free. So there's not any fees involved. There's not any risk if camps were to join us or to try an agreement out. There's really not any not any risk involved to the camp whatsoever. So food food tends to be the number one area in that money saving and dollar saved. Uh, that is, I mean, on average, a camp that's u- using the Trinity HPSI program with a broadline food service distributor saves about 10 to 20 percent um, over street pricing. The street pricing is just where you're negotiating directly with the vendor and the rep is setting your prices, where our agreements have really two primary columns um, or principles, if you will. And one, that's margin control. I mentioned that where we negotiate margins. Uh, that's what they can charge you. That's what they can make off of you, right? What it costs them uh, above their true cost, which is what it costs them to get a product uh, ready to ship to them, ready to ship to you as their customer. That's their true cost. So the margin is what they can charge you over that. So we lock negotiate really low margins, meaning it really limits what they can upcharge you for something. And then on top of that, we've negotiated with uh, manufacturers to have what's called deviations, and that's just direct pricing. Um, special pricing allowances that we've negotiated directly with manufacturers. Um, And these manufacturers obviously are providing a product through a broadline food service distributor, but that deviation flows through to your invoice. So food tends to be the number one area where camps save money. Um, Outside of that, our propane, we have two national propane suppliers that tends to fall in the secondary side as far as actual dollars saved. Um, And the same principle there, it's just come down, it comes down to purchasing power. 
Um, and then janitorial sanitation agreements is the third as far as dollars saved. And outside of that, we've got some other really great agreements. The one with Lowe's has been a huge hit. Lowe's has been such a phenomenal supporter of Trinity uh, and what we're trying to do with camps. It, it really has grown. We've seen it grown uh, exponentially over the last few years. And it, it again, it's, it's free. It's just a way that you can save you know, five to 20% on your order, sometimes more than that. Uh, they offer a special credit account for Trinity members, gives you an extra 2%, uh, you get 5% off when you buy and another 2% off your, your statement. Um, so it's, it's things like that where we really come in. And another side to that, Jeff, is, is the time involved. I mean, you may have, um, when you look at your current situation as a director or as a, as a particular leader of a certain part of the camp, um, you know, the status quo is what we tend to be tied to. So what we have to consider is, you know, what, what would the cost of inaction be? Um, you know, some of you, like I mentioned before, may have been working with a vendor for a long time. And I, and I want to be fair to the vendors. We do, we do have a lot of good reps that have a heart um, for camps and, and ministry. And some of them, as we do comparisons, are, are doing okay on price. But, but for the most part, especially on the food service side, the vendor or the reps, um, the sales reps compensation is tied to what they can get for the price. And reps, if you're on a street account or a rep setting your pricing, they have a lot of licensure uh, or freedom to do what they want on the price. So um, sometimes the cost involved with maintaining that status quo, or, or we get asked this all the time, you know, is this going to affect my rep? Well, at the end of the day, your, your rep will probably make less money on your account being on a program because you are getting, we've locked the margins. They can't upcharge you beyond that. But ultimately, uh, we've partnered, successfully partnered with reps all across the country because they use our program to get you business that also helps them defend the, the current account from competition because the pricing is so competitive. Um, but it also they also use it to gain new business. So it, it's a win-win-win for everybody. I mean, the, the businesses get to um, uh, have a higher uh, loyalty rates, right? Because you've got camps that are happy as long as the things don't break down on price, quality, and service, right? Those are the three main things of any vendor uh, relationship. Any of those break down, there's going to be a problem. But uh, we handle, we handle the, uh, certainly handle the price side and it's up to the vendor to make sure that that quality and service maintains intact. But, um, you know, it takes that pressure off of directors, uh, also food service directors or even a maintenance guy to say, you know, where am I getting, where am I getting the best price? So if you get hooked in with, you know, one of our agreements, then, then you can rest assured that you're getting a, a really good price on, on that commodity that you're, that you're purchasing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for, for simple guys like me, one of the ways that, that I like to understand it is you go from having the purchase power of a mom and pop shop to having the purchase power of Sam's. You know, that that kind of a thing. And um, and I love that it's not it's not a competition. I mean, you're not you're not trying to oust the the reps and you're not trying to do those things. You're encouraging us to be good stewards, to to look, look at look at what we can do through this program. If you're getting something that's better from your rep on the other uh, other side, absolutely go forward and do that. And, you know, I know for us, you know, from food service to to the Lowe's account thing, I mean, all of that has been extremely helpful. And I know that if um, if more more camps take a look at that man what a what an impact that would be and, it, and and there again it gives more more purchase power the more camps that are involved and and things of that that nature as well so that again goes back to that stewardship model of how am i being the best steward of my resources now i'm not having to go negotiate with 15 different vendors i can go and i can look at what what Trinity's already done the work and I can take that research, maybe use that versus one other vendor that we have preferred or something of that nature and just say, Hey, what, what can be done here? Um, or I can just say, you know what, they've already done all that needs to be done here. I think this is a phenomenal price. It's a lot better than what we were doing. Um, and utilize that for uh, the betterment or, you know, maybe given, given an opportunity for them to do something that they weren't anticipating being able to do because it was price restrictive. So that is, that is phenomenal. Yeah, and, and absolutely, Jeff. We actually run into that from time to time. We had a, a camp that recently joined us 
Um, and we did comparisons on, um, uh, we did comparisons on both their food and their, their propane and some camps, they, you know, they just, all the stars align and they're doing a good job, but we're going to, we're going to tell you if you're doing a good job, we're going to, we're not, uh, we would rather under promise and overperform. Uh, if you're in a good spot, we're going to tell you if, if it's, it's not about getting you on a program, which is how, you know, we, we make money off of the vendors, the vendors pay us. Uh, that's how we keep keep the lights on and and uh, and and take care of the families at Trinity. Um, is the vendors pay us? That's how we make money. But we're about saving you money. That your your best interest is is at heart with us. So um, if you're in a good spot, we're going to tell you. If you got something better than we can offer, we're we're definitely gonna we're definitely gonna tell you and let you know. So it's that's that's the culture and uh, ethics that we that we have, and we really. You know, it, it comes down to that stewardship. We want to support you in that effort. Um, and like I said, stewardship is not about it's not about being self-serving and certainly not tyrannical. Um, so we we um, we definitely have a heart for ministry when it comes to that aspect of it. So um, one of the other things there, Jeff, is, is outside of the money, you know, one of the things that I feel that um, camps may be able to or should maybe do, I don't want to say a better job. Another way to consider stewardship is when we're stewarding uh, people and opportunities when it comes to um, identifying identifying your stakeholders. Um, so this this could fall really more under the stewarding people um, and, and opportunity side of things. So when I, when I talk about stakeholders, right, that's anybody that uh, that could be affected or, or affect the camp. Uh, I, I ran across a good article um, in Camping Magazine by Greg uh, Cronin. Um, and, and he talks about um, the methodology. You're talking about getting getting competing for discretionary dollars uh, and, and staff for that matter. I mean, this time of year, it's, it's crunch time as you guys are trying to get staff. So this is another side of stewardship that can help you run uh, more efficiently and, and maybe even reduce customer acquisition costs in the future, right? You all, we all repeat business. But um, when it comes to those stakeholders, that that could be there's really three main categories of stakeholders, and that's your internal stakeholders like your current campers, families and staff. Um, you have your external stakeholders like uh, vendors, business partners, um, associates and donors, and then you have potential stakeholders uh, in, in your camp. So your, your first group, the internal group. Um, of uh, campers, families, and staff. That's really your base. They're your biggest supporters. Um, you already have the buy-in. I mean, they feel valued and they appreciate increased camp connections. And what I'm what I'm hitting at here is thinking about long-term. Um, we talked about that long-term aspect. Um, and, and this is gonna, this, this to me seems critical. I mean, I've got, I've got three camp age kids. Every one of them um, and in fact, my youngest, this will be his first year, but the other two are high school. So they've been to camp ever since at least middle school. Um, I, as a parent or a stakeholder in those camps, I've never received any type of outside of registration, any type of email survey, phone call, email blast from those camps they've attended. And, and neither one of my high schoolers uh, have been to those camps, have ever been approached or presented with the opportunity or material or information about maybe being a part of that camp when they're old enough as a summer staff. So these are things also, as you look at stewardship, um, are critical to you building that your, your camp and extending beyond just your geographical location there. And not only um, cultivating the relationship with current stakeholders, but increasing that stakeholder portfolio, if you will. Yeah, I, I firmly believe in retention cost you way less than trying to mm-hmm. gain new uh, new staff and, and 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 stakeholders as well. And I think that's the same same thing. And man, what a what an opportunity that we may be missing out on on several camps and several uh, with several of our stakeholders and our staff, our summer staff, those things. If we're not staying connected with them, if we're not cultivating those relationships through times outside of just that registration time, like you're saying, you know, a lot of a lot of our camps and conference centers do things outside of just summer. We should be 
reaching out. We should be making those connections, even if it is just a newsletter. Maybe it is just a survey that says, hey, here's a five-question survey. Tell us what you think about this. We're thinking about doing this. Just involving them in the process, it it endears them to you and to your ministry and to what you're doing. And that's less that's less resources and time and things that you have to spend on getting a replacement for that. We just did an interview with Jimmy Huffman a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things that he said in that episode was that an empty bed is a lost opportunity. You can never get that back. And wow, what I think with this and with that combined, it's really something that as directors, we need to be taking a hard look at. How are we retaining and being good stewards of those stakeholders that we currently have in order to maximize ministry with them? Are we reaching out to them and saying, you can be a part of this ministry beyond your time at summer camp? Um, you can't, you know, this is how you can do that. Uh, for us, I we're able to accept donations, um, but still, even if you're not, you know, this is an opportunity that camps can have to say, this is how you can stay connected with camp by volunteering, by giving, by doing these other things beyond when their their quote unquote time at camp is is there and gone. So what a what a powerful powerful thing. Right, absolutely. I mean, you have to think long term. I mean, today's campers will be or could be tomorrow's staff and or summer staff, and that staff could turn into tomorrow's year round staff, and or even a youth pastor, um, a, a pastor, lead pastor, a donor. I mean, those are missed opportunities that you know camps could be taking advantage of. You know, I I I I worked at camp, um, did a did a couple summers volunteering, and then was on staff. And and I get it. It's grueling. The summer the summer schedule is absolutely grueling. Um, and then after it's over, you just want to unplug and disappear for a few months. Um, but this is where that effort, that going the extra mile, being intentional and cultivating uh, the, those relationships. I mean, ultimately, um, you know, if, if you had the opportunity for young campers, maybe middle school would be appropriate to start planting that seed about. I mean, I wanted to work at camp from being a camper. I mean, that's, that's where it started for me, the desire. So that, you know, I know that's happening to other kids right there. They see the, they see what's happening there. The ministry evangelism lives change. I mean, that's ultimately what you're about uh, furthering the kingdom. So, um, you know, a lot of kids find inspiration there and, and it's always, it's always easy to have that initial emotional response while you're there. But once they get back into the life of, you know, getting plugged back into social media, video games, school sports, whatever outside of camp, that, that can, that can wane a bit. So maybe consider having a, uh, a very intentional effort with your campers to talk about what it looks like to work at camp. You know, you can really sell your core values and missions uh, our mission, make it interactive, maybe, you know, find that person on your team who could really make an awesome a quick little recruiting video, if you will, um, to see how everything that you do and how camp and how they can be a part of that. Um, so, you know, and follow up and add them to your communication outreach efforts so they can stay plugged in. You never know where these kids are going to end up in life. I mean, we, we have to, and, and this is something that, that, and, and I don't want to rail on us. I, I, I'm a, I'm a conservative, obviously conservative Christian. And this is something that we tend to not do well. We don't play the long game as well as our counterparts do. And this is something that maybe we need to do a little better at in, um, in, in seeing that the next generation bringing them up as the future camp leaders, stakeholders, donors. Um, so that's, I want, I wanted to touch on that a little bit. I, that article was really interesting. Um, and, and, and I've been out of camp for, for years now. So maybe a lot of you guys or a lot of you folks are, are doing this really well, but, uh, to me, it's, it's from an parent's aspect. Anecdotally, I had not experienced any type of interaction where a camp had tried to extend that camp experience beyond just the registration, the transaction, if you will. You know, you're, you're viewed as a transaction in a one a one week uh, session, and after that, there's you don't even think about a camp. So that that's a missed opportunity. Yeah, and for uh, you know, I can I can only speak for myself and my situation. One of the struggles that that I have with that is. I, 
I I have a vision, but I want that vision to happen now. I don't want that. To, I don't want that five, ten years down the road. And I think I think what you said about playing the long game, we really have to get good at that. If we're going to be good stewards, if we're going to invest in the kingdom, we have to realize that that investment that we're making is not uh, automatically. We're not automatically going to see the reward from that. There may be uh, years that we're seeing as that investment slowly and gradually begins to grow. But as we get down towards the end, as we get down towards that that ultimate timeline, we're seeing that God's increasing that exponentially year by year by year. If we're only patient enough and willing enough to make that initial investment, to set that out there for a long-term goal. And that's that's hard sometimes, especially as a, as a visionary leader or as a camp director. You know, we see things that need to be done or things that we want to do and we want those right now. You know, that has to be happening right now. So I got to save money on it right now and I got to have it done right now. And I've got to have the staff at this point right now. But a lot of times those things, especially when you're cultivating staff, you're cultivating your stakeholders, you're cultivating uh, your community around you, those things take time. And it's an investment in that time that I think is well worth the effort and seeing that in a long range type of a vision, not in a one shot and done because the temptation is I'm going to try this and I'm not going to see an immediate result. So I'm going to give up on it. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, another, another side on the, of your, that's your internal stakeholders on your external side, you know, even, even your GPO partner, like us at Trinity, I, I have several camps that plug me into, you know, they capture my email address because I'm interacting with them. They plug it into the, I've received blasts throughout the summer as, at, from, on the Trinity side of things, um, or throughout the year from camp. So, I mean, we want to know at Trinity, we want to be a part of your journey. Um, it, it helps us stay informed about, you know, staff changes or what's going on or whether you've had a catastrophic event, you know, whether it's something that we can, we can help get you plugged into the right vendor. So, you know, even, even your GPO partner like Trinity could be considered a stakeholder. Um, so don't be afraid to, to, I guess my whole point is, is don't be afraid or hesitant to plug people in your communication, even if it's something as simple and I get it, it's time consuming, especially, you know, in some stakeholders, you may have to take a situation model with, they may have, you may gauge your, your interaction with them or adjusted based upon their level of power and influence, if you will. I mean, some of them, it may be just plug us into a blast. Others, you may be making that personal phone call to, um, to follow up. That's time consuming, but it certainly would personalize it uh, and help galvanize that, that relationship. Yeah. And, you know, something you said right there, I really want to key in on is your stakeholders can be vendors and people like that because they're invested. There is invested, maybe not as, but they are also invested in your success as well as you are, because if you don't succeed, if you're no longer to give them no longer able to give them business, then they're losing out as well. So they need to want to see you succeed. So they need to be involved in seeing what's going on. Trinity wants to be involved in seeing what's going on. And that just makes good sense. You know, we've got people that want to want to sell us products. They want our business. They they want to um, they want to partner with us in that way. Well, we need to kind of include them. And that gives them a little bit more information on what we need, how they can help us, how they can benefit. They need to see when we're sending out those things of, hey, we've got a work day coming up going on. Um, you know, how many of our vendors would probably offer to send a couple of people to 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 do a display or do something at one of our events. Um, great way to just increase that stakeholder base and get people involved that can help you later on down the road in ways that y- you may not have even imagined. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's critical that this group knows your program and they understand your culture. Um, if you can get the buy-in from, from your from your vendors or other stakeholders in the community, even if it's a contractor, a politician, uh, a regulatory agency, other, other areas that you may not consider, financial institutions, educational institutions, professional associations, places like that. I mean, there. if you grow that base, um, I mean, it really is going to it's going to help you um, not only be salt and light um, and in, in, in a consideration of the Great Commission, but also, you know, help you 
grow your your camp's influence and not only in the community but beyond so yeah it's 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 something that and and again i i um i'm not in your shoes jeff so i i i it's been a long time since i've worked at camp but i get it it's it's a, it's a challenge for you guys but but we want to help you on the trinity side outside of being your stakeholder and staying staying in in tune and connected with you all what's going on whether like i said it's a catastrophic event or you've had a change in staff or something like that um i mean we really want to be there for you all especially on the money and resources side um um to help you guys you know save money ultimately and be good stewards of what god's given each of you i actually have you know in in, in light of that um concept of money you know, I have a, a market report here that has been shared with us with our corporate partners over at uh, HPSI. If if you gotta, if you gotta, if there's enough time, I'd like to be able to go over some of that, just so your listeners can kind of have an idea about what the second quarter is going to look like in 2022 as we're considering how to save money, how to adjust. You know, a lot of this is not really done in a vacuum, right? We, a lot of this is our, our great principles outside of uh, the crazy market that we're seeing right now and conflicts and and various things that are just blowing. It's hard to plan when you've got uh, the volatility of, of prices. But if we've got a few seconds, I'd like to go over some of this to kind of help your listeners plan uh, for maybe even shortages or make adjustments before they're surprised with supply chain issues. Absolutely. Please do share. And then if there's a uh, PDF or something of that report, we can make that available as well if that's something we can do. Okay. Um, so one of the, and this is specific to, I'm going to, I'm going to blend a little bit here of this report um, plus some other information that I've gathered from a, a supply chain panel that I recently did with a few other vendors. Um, but the, the top, some of the top takeaways of this report are of course, number one right now, the Russia and Ukraine war. So while, while we don't really expect this to cause a short supply situation as a result of, of, of the conflict, the immediate impact has been increased price uh, volatility, like on key commodities such as oil, wheat, corn, um, cooking oil, for example. So that's that's one of the things to consider. Um, and, and again, it's, it's not necessarily that we're going to be able to have influence over that cause, but we might be able to mitigate some of the effects of it of that so specifically with commodities like in soybean oil a lot of the derivatives of those oils are used in packaging material this has been a huge issue on the food production side um with packaging not just not just the food itself but a lot of these derivatives are plant-based uh the oils that are used in packaging so that's been that's been an issue um and, and really with the supply chain you know, while while a supply chain network can look differently for for each camp, if you will, um, there are several ubiquitous elements that are that are driving the crisis across the entire global supply chain outside of the Russia war. I mean, you have the inflation and surging prices. And nobody needs to tell you that prices are going up. We all see it in our grocery bill, our gas tank. Um, Everything is more expensive. Um, the shipping and freight backlog, which is complicated by the labor shortage. Um, increases in fuel cost, um, decreases in driver availability. There's probably, I think the last estimate was we're getting close to 100,000 as far as a shortage of truck drivers. So that's affecting everything in the supply chain as logistics involved, right? There's a truck driver involved somewhere in there. So that's uh, that's one of the the major drivers here. Um, But on the food side specifically, yeah, poultry, for instance, hatchability has been an issue. It's it's one of the major poultry suppliers announced that the hatchability is down 20 percent. Uh, they have higher broiler mortality rates. Um, there's a larger shortage in, say, pre-cooked chicken uh, rather than the partially fried or ready to cook category. Um, those lower Crop yields are causing some issues, again, not with just the food, but some of the corn and soybeans in addition to what's going on in Russia or in Ukraine with the Russia invasion, um, the, the shortages there are also causing, like I said, those issues with um, residuals or, or derivatives from those products. Um, but what we've seen on the production side on the food is a lot of suppliers um, 
are reducing their SKUs or their stock keeping units altogether. They're they're eliminating product lines altogether. We just got an announcement from Butterball uh, yesterday. They are cutting uh, quite a few products uh, out of production. Some of them for the entire year. Some of them are just through August. But that would definitely affect um, you know a lot of the camps as camps are you know may run through August. So that's going to be uh, an issue. Um, on the on the merchandising side on camp camp merchandise um a lot of the um products especially textiles and t-shirts come come from china a lot of the suppliers that's where they're getting them from and as we see now they're in the middle of a lockdown so it's only going to complicate that and and i'm not i'm not trying to paint a, a doom and gloom picture here by any by any means but really there's some mitigation efforts here that might um that might help you guys plan for shortages. So on the food service side, you need to be requesting um, up-to-date information from your vendor. So what that means is like vendors will have, um, they'll have a a weekly or monthly report on what products they're not going to have. So you need to be requesting that report from your vendor, um, and and then also make sure that you have good substitutes or even alternate items available um, for your menu. So this is this is a part of the stewardship model, right? So we want to be able to plan for not not react. We'd rather be able to respond rather than react. Um, the uh, the issue with like can't merchandise. Probably a good thing you're going to need to do there, and this has come from several sources that. You're probably going to want to reduce your um, your inventory. Like, have a couple of really good selections rather than than too many. Um, that way, you can you can know what you have to offer, and it, and it also helps you continually, you know, expand your brand and your imaging. But uh, on the uh, on the food side specifically, and here I've got to I've got to sort through this here, Jeff. So give me just a minute. On beef, you're looking at an increase. This is quarter two, ten to twenty percent overall. Um, four to nine percent on the ground beef side alone. Poultry is going to be up, expected to be up eight to sixteen percent. Pork, anywhere up to fourteen percent increase. Um, Liquid eggs is a big one. I know that a lot of camps depend on up another 5-11%. Uh, oils, we mentioned that, 4 to 12%. So there's uh, there's definitely going to be increases, uh, continually increases in price due to, due to a lot of these issues. Um, and, and again, this is where a program like we offer, like I said earlier, we don't lock price. Um, we lock we lock a margin. Now, typically with the market that, you know, inflation remained fairly steady around 2%, um, you didn't have huge increases, but you everybody's going to see price increases regardless if you're on a program or not. The good thing about being on our program is, is the vendor or the distributor is not able, on the food side specifically, is not able to upcharge you more than what our margins, uh, which are low, um, specify. So uh, that's just one thing to expect. So on your, as your outlook for this year, um, as you're looking at planning your menu, try to have a plan um, for mitigating some of these effects. And, and a lot of this has to do with uh, just having alternate items, um, having um, reducing your maybe options in your store or even on your menu. So that's just some things to plan. If you, and if you need more help with that, by all means, call our office. I mean, we, we can help you find if you're on our program, if you're like, Rich, we, um, you know, we need to really take a look at our menu. Is there a way that we can we can dial this down or find find some manufacturer deviations that you guys have that we're not taking advantage of in our menu to help reduce some of those costs or even help you find alternate uh, items for those menus? That is that is phenomenal. So uh, as we're as we're ending up here, we're kind of landing the plane. Tell tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you. How can they if they're not already connected with Trinity or if they've been connected and they haven't really, you know, they kind of got out of the habit of using you guys or whatever. How can they reconnect with you guys? How can they get the information that they need? Sure. My um, the office number, you can call us and the office number is at six one five. 
0229. You can reach me by, by email, and that is rich, R I C H dot Lowry, L O W R Y, at Trinity dash or hyphen USA.net. So it's rich.lowry at Trinity USA.net. Another big resource for current Trinity members is our members portal. So that is the password protected portion of our website that contains all the information that members would need um, to stay up to date on agreements, uh, how to get connected to specific um, contracts or how to get a discount with whatever vendor you want to utilize. If you need to get a discount, uh, you're looking at buying a new John Deere mower or tractor, you can go to our our, uh, mower maintenance section and and we'll have information there on how you can do that. So um, those, you know, give us a call, email me, get plugged into the members portal. Um, If it's been a while and you're like, Rich, I can't get logged in. Give us a call. We'll get, we'll get you hooked up to it. Um, Or if you, if you're not a member, it's just a few forms. We get you set up in the membership and then you can utilize whatever agreements you find beneficial to you. And again, it is a free service for you, for you and for your camps to be able to use. So please check this out. It is well worth being a good steward to just go and get all that. I'm going to put all of Rich's contact information that he just shared with us into the description of this podcast. So please go and check that out. We want to make sure that all of our camps are maximizing their stewardship uh, in whatever way that, that God has has leaded and gifted them. And we want to give you every opportunity to be good stewards of that, to increase those talents and those things that you've been blessed with by God. Rich, thank you so very much for being on the podcast with us. Thank you for the information that you shared. And thank you for your heart for for camp ministry and, and for ministries that can uh, utilize your services and, and just for still being a part as a parent uh, in camp ministry and encouraging that. And what a what an encouragement for us to be good stewards for all of the different types of resources outside of just the financial resources, uh, but, but definitely included in that. So Rich, thank you so much. Absolutely, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you guys have just an awesome summer. May God continue to bless you all. And that was my interview with Rich Lowry of Trinity HBSI. If you're interested in getting in touch with Rich, you can reach him on the office number of 615-672-0229 or by email at rich, R-I-C-H dot Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y at Trinity dash USA. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. We're so glad that you're on with us. We're always looking to bring you some good and relevant content. Keep those suggestions coming. Uh, Send them to sbcapod at gmail.com, and we will see you next time. This has been Jeff with the SBCA Podcast, praying all the best for you, your camps, and your staff as you seek to give Him glory in all that you do. See you next time. The SBCA podcast is a production of the Southern Baptist Camping Association. Our theme song, First Day at Camp, written, produced, and performed by Caleb Gilbert.